the incomparable. Number 483, October 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. And, you know, a few years ago, Batman won the superhero tournament, and we decided, uh, for some reason, that to reward Batman, we would uh, cover all of the uh, Batman... Okay, I'm going to be specific here. Batman solo live-action feature films. Huh? I'm going to constrain that because there's people who are like, but what about the Batman serials? But what about the animated Batman? But what about Batman versus Superman? And my answer is no. No to all of those. However, even though we've covered a lot of Batman movies, there's one live-action feature Batman movie that we failed to cover. And we're covering it tonight, and it's also a little bit of a tribute, I suppose, to Adam West and the Batman TV series of the 60s. Because did you know there was a film, yes, the 1966 feature film Batman, starring Adam West, Burt Ward, Lee Mer- Merriweather, Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith, Frank Gorshin, and all of your favorite villains, all united, the united underworld. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about Batman, Adam West, and the rest with my wonderful panel. David J. Laura is here. David, like me, uh, spent many uh, afternoons, I would guess, in his youth watching the Batman TV series. Hi, David. Holy psychic hosts, Batman. <laughs> of course. I mean, <laughs> how many how many times do we just sort of line up in the same yeah. Venn diagram? Like we're overlapping circles at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was every day. <laughs> it was influential for me, so of course for you. And it was a half hour episode, so then they had the, the next day there was the, the cliffhanger and it was, was, it was resolved. Perfectly spaced. And, yeah. yeah. And then one week they said, kids, tune in on Wednesday night at eight for the eight o'clock movie. Which will also be Batman. I went, what is right. that? And that was that this. That blew my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because it was it was clearly Batman, but it was also not. It was, yeah, it's different. We'll get to that. Dr. We'll Drang that. is also here. Hello. Hello. I have my atomic batteries to power. That's good. Excellent. Turbines <laughs> to turbines speed. Not to sp- no, oh. turbines are not to speed oh, well. yet. No, That'll come we're later. Gonna get up. Buckle up. Get up Buckle to up speed. Come around. on. And Gene McDonald is here as well. Hello. Dobrovecher, comrades. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Miss Kitka. She looks like Jean. Mm. But I have little mm. cat ears on right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great disguise. You know, I, I was thinking as I was watching this Batman. That's wrong to do. You should not think while you're <laughs> was, watching this Batman. Yeah. Your first mistake. Well, I had time. <laughs> I had time to think while I was watching Batman. To ponder life and my choices. And I am amazed, the movie and uh, the TV show, I was thinking about it from the perspective of an era where the most popular form of film is the superhero movie. Mm. Thinking about how influential the Batman series of the 60s was, probably for a good 25 years, as defining, I think, how pop culture in America viewed superheroes and certainly Batman, but I think superheroes in general. And the pendulum only started swinging kind of the other direction. I feel when the uh, Tim Burton Batman came on the scene yeah. in, in 89. Maybe, yeah. And I, having not spent a lot of time with the Adam West Batman in the last decade, I was struck by just how, we're at like the other side of the pendulum swing now. The pendulum may be flying <laughs> off never to return. I don't know. But um, it, it, it's funny to view it in that way that like people, people who are younger than all of us might not realize like these silly 
pop art, 60s, wacky Batman stories. Like, this is how everybody in the 60s and 70s and 80s viewed comic books and superheroes and Batman and all the rest of it. It was stuff, it was the silly pow, biff, boom kind of stuff. And I hadn't really thought that before revisiting um, Batman 66. I, I would say the Incredible Hulk was like that outlier the tv incredible hulk because you know they tried to be realistic-ish and serious but i think this one was the one that stuck on the culture though like to the point where even now you will see lazy headlines from older lazy headline writers who will write about a comic (laughs) book and they'll just put in a pow biff boom kind of thing i'm like really well and we've got things like the tick now and and you know things that are actually straight up spoofs so we can let Batman be Batman and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and still have our silly things over here and, and they don't have to cross over. Do children watch the tick? I would like to know. Uh, mine watched the cartoon. There was a Saturday morning cartoon yeah. a while oh, ago. Yeah. I didn't watch that. Okay. It, it is. Yeah. It's the best version. There's no doubt that the tick is, in fact, I was, I was another thing that I noticed because it's been a while since I really revisited Adam West and his performance as Batman. I knew it, but like it really reinforced it watching this that the tick is the perfect example of line readings and attitude <laughs> that are an homage to Batman. And and there is something delightful in watching this, delightful about just how earnest and also dramatic Adam West's reading, mm-hmm. how goody goody he is. Well, yeah, I I think everybody who does that sort of deadpan i'm gonna play this straight for something that's completely wild uh who's done it since then owes owes a debt to adam west because he yeah you you forget you think i kind of think maybe you don't think i I was thinking uh you know gosh he wasn't a very good actor no he was really good in this though yeah he's really really (laughs) good in this because he does exactly what needs to be done right it may be perfect casting but it is that the ability and this is a very specific acting ability, and I think that may be the problem, is that is that this was the perfect fit for him. And then what else do you do with this kind of ability? But the ability to do this kind of earnest yet arch at the same time, uh, along with his particular kind of laid back delivery of it. Uh, they may mm-hmm. be drinkers, but they're also human beings, by the way. <laughs> I, I also had a moment where I thought, you know, he's kind of... Shatner-esque, and those are two yeah. actors who are, are roughly mm-hmm. from the same era, right? They're both stars at this time in the mid-60s. They're both mm-hmm. stars of their they, network shows. They literally are. And I think age-wise, they're maybe five years apart, ten years apart, somewhere in there. Yeah. They're very similar generations. And I think, like, Shatner is more caffeinated. Oh, yeah, he chews the scenery. And Adam West <laughs> is more laid back, and yet they both still do the dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah. It's this odd yeah. sort of pacing to their line read (laughs) and and it's i think i think it's perfect for this and and um and yes all the all the the versions of the tick do uh, do this i also um i was on a batman university episode with tony sindelar where i talked about batman the brave and the bold which was the animated batman (sighs) that my kids loved and and i realized you know that's that's why i like that show is because it it is one of the only batman things since this original batman that let batman be funny and Batman yes. in, in in neither of these places is Batman wacky, right? But he's got that dry, he has a sly sense mm-hmm. of humor. And you know yeah. what? And it's probably because I I was raised on the original Batman, but um, the the Adam West Batman. 
Uh, but <laughs> I love it. I love I love that mm-hmm. take on Batman. Other takes are perfectly legitimate, but I love the dry, laid back. He says a thing. It's funny. Did he mean it to be funny? I don't know. Does it matter? It's funny. I love I love that. And and um, Adam must what passed away last year. I want to say, um, and I, just a, a a tip of the the cap to this performance because he didn't. You know, he was in a lot in other things and and was sort of like is he not a very good actor but as batman it's a really amazing piece of work it, it's a perfect fit for for him and he does a good great job with it he he has such a, a a distinct style that you know when you see him in something like the love boat and he was on the love boat he's not very good on the love boat <laughs> and then you know now family guy i will say point blank is a show that i cannot stand and yet he was perfect on it he was mayor adam west and it just played into that whole tone and style and persona. Uh, the the failed pilot that Conan O'Brien did with with him called Look Well, where he's like a TV private eye who, whose show is canceled and he decides to become a real private eye. Terrible show. He's great in it, right? Because it's that tone. It's that weird tone. And and yeah, Diedrich Bader in Brave and the Bold catches that. Yeah. It's it's so nice. I mean, I, the animated series is still like probably my favorite Batman in overall. But then this and the Brave and the Bold are, are like right there. It's almost like you could put them in different boxes in different categories because they're yeah. not trying to do the same thing with Batman. And, you know, there's room for both of those kinds of performances. Yeah, this this is my Batman. I mean, this is what I think of as Batman, because this is the Batman I grew up with. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the the whole Dark Knight thing is fine. (laughs) And and it's but I like light Batman. I don't you know, I I like light Batman better than dark, dark mode Hmm. Batman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I like the idea of a Batcave that's got a giant penny in it. Well, yes, that's that's the thing, because when I was reading Batman comics as, you know, in my preteen, pre-ten even years, it was, I think, looking back on it, kind of influenced by the by the TV show, because, yes, the Batcave with the giant penny in it and the big in the comic books and the, the labels with the arrow pointing to it and saying giant penny or whatever it was that they had in there. That was what Batman comics were. Now, uh, maybe there were some darker versions back then, too, but I never saw them. The penny came from beforehand. A lot of that was in the the 50s and the early 60s. And that was when they were trying really weird stuff in the comic book because it wasn't selling well. And that's kind of why they sold the rights to do the TV show was because they thought, well, nobody's reading it anymore. Why not? Let's be silly with it. And then the but the labels all come from the TV show. Yeah. And then in the in the seventies there was actually a kind of a backlash where they the they took the Batman comic and tried to make it more serious. I think because DC felt like what have we done? This was an incredibly valuable property and it was yeah. not being it was a complete joke. And they're like, How do we rehab Batman? Which is hard, again, hard to believe now, but And yeah. And so like in, in the seventies you've got Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams doing these serious, you know, mm-hmm. in, introducing Rachel Ghoul and all this stuff. And then at the same time, you have the Super Friends and the filmation <laughs> New Adventures of Batman and Robin with West and Ward doing voices and with Batmite. Yeah, right. Mm. Batmite. Mm. Uh, missed that. So, Dr. Drang, you mentioned um, liking Light Batman. I, I think even this movie, 
wants to tip its cap to the idea that Batman is a creature of the night. And that's why. Uh, and, and so now we're going to talk about 1966's Batman, a, a film in which perfectly reasonable things happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the opening credits are noir, oh. spotlight, a guy in a trench coat and a hat, all of these suggestions that you were about to see a dark, gritty tale of a man who dresses up like a bat or perhaps is a detective or of some kind and solves crimes, um, which is fascinating because the rest of the movie is in the bright sunshine. Gotham City is not a New York analog, but in fact, just L.A. And there's a lot of water. There's a lot of piers. There's a lot of boats. And it's in the daytime. And it is the least noir thing possible. <laughs> and yet the opening credits try to go the other way. Like, come on, right? Yeah. Batman. It's, it, there's a, literally, there's a guy in a trench coat running around with a and spotlight on him. really fast. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with anything. Why is it so bright? Why is there <laughs> all this beach stuff? This is like the, the beach party movie. It like, is. That's yeah, <laughs> true. Of course, there is the... Frankie uh, and Annette should show up. There's date night, <laughs> and that's at nighttime. Yes. Oh, yes. That's... That's when Bruce is the creature of the night. Mm. There were some lines of dialogue I wrote down that were kind of disturbing. They were but kind we'll get of to that. disturbing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I didn't like about the opening uh, was the writing on the wall where yes. they're oh, yeah. sort of telling us, oh, we know this is goofy. <laughs> this, don't, don't take this seriously. We're, this is a goof. <laughs> we, we know it. You, know, you don't have to tell us that. Give, give us some credit. Plus... This came what? This came after the first year, right? Yes, uh, yes. Of the this TV was between show. the first two seasons. If you don't know by now what this is about, you shouldn't be watching this movie. No, but it was like <laughs> they put that stuff on there to to sort of fend off critics from writing reviews that oh boy, this is bad acting and overacting and terrible. well, yeah, of course it is. And I so I, that set me. I don't you know I've seen this movie several times, but not in the last half of my life mm -hmm. <laughs> so not in the last 30 years <laughs> so so i didn't remember that ever seeing that before I, I kind of remember you know basically starting off with a plastic shark i don't spoilers mm. um, but sometimes you can't get rid of a shark it's, I, I got, it's so plastic I, Wait. oh well i'm sorry no no it's not it's not gene it's not plastic uh. um so it was, it was, I was disappointed when I saw that and I thought, oh, that's, that's not good. You didn't, you didn't need to do that on the TV show. Why do you need to do that in the movie? My 14 year old was like, what is this? No, bad, bad. Yeah, it is. It's, there's some weird stuff. This movie is a very strange movie. Um, I, the one that, that constantly got reinforced to me was the idea that this is a very bright movie shot in the daytime in los angeles that it more <laughs> yeah. than anything else like there's that helicopter thing at the beginning they're in the batcopter they're going mm. over again not a lot of tall buildings a lot of sprawl out to the mountains it's very definitely la batman jack lalane on a roof jack lalane on a roof yeah. with, with, with some exercising girls um batman uh very carefully climbing down yeah. you know his his uh his his ladder bat bat ladder there's a shark. Uh, Robin has to has to bring down the repellent, and I kept thinking, like, wow, in a modern movie, he would be like sliding down and throwing <laughs> the repellent and all of that, the bat shark repellent, and uh, 
Uh, there's a no, they go into great detail of him hooking his legs yeah. around so it's that like, he can go upside down. Yeah, right. like an acrobat. That's like one of the few times you get to see Bert Ward as Dick Grayson being an acrobat. Right. Yeah. I thought of yes. that. Too. Right. It's a big. Uh, this is a big action set piece to open the movie. As Batman <laughs> has a has a shark on his leg, and Robin has a, to climb well, down a, well, a ladder. Quote unquote action. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that shark was twisting around. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was thrashing. It was like Bruce in Jaws. They're going to need a bigger bat cow. <laughs> okay, let's take a brief break for a sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click the Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck. That's not good enough. You need a system to tell you when your computers have betrayed you. Something to tell you when things are good and running smoothly and when they're not. That's why you need Pingdom. Pingdom lets you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. And they're smart. They'll get the information needed to solve the issue to whoever needs it, whether that's a single person or your entire team. They're dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. They have more than 70 different global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is your URL. They take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last to know that your computers have betrayed you and your site is broken. Start monitoring your site today by going to pingdom.com slash Snell right now for a 14-day free trial. No credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code Snell at checkout and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for supporting the incomparable. There's a great press conference where uh, written by people who don't understand what press conferences are like, where where uh, they answer like three questions and then they're like, okay, get out. And Batman, and, and I like the... Uh, this is where we meet Miss Miss Kitka, right? And she mm-hmm. and yes. she asks him to take off his mask, and and everybody laughs, and Commissioner Gordon is outraged, and of course Batman oh. is like, no, no, uh, I understand, but unfortunately I can't because then our and you know he takes it all very seriously, and <laughs> and uh, and then and then at that point uh, Chief O'Hara and, and the commissioner are like, all right, get them all, get them all out, take them away, boys, yeah. and that's the end of the really weird press, press conference. conference. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the writing, I, I, the one thing I will say about the writing, so it was written by Lorenzo Semple Jr., mm-hmm. who wrote the pilot, and apparently th- they didn't mean for it to be as funny as it turned out, and it's all because of him. He actually wrote it as a sitcom, and so the, the first two episodes are like the only ones he wrote in the series, so for whatever reason, they brought him back to write the movie, and that's why the movie is a little bit sharper and more satirical. I, You know, he's... He's an interesting writer. He wrote the the Dino De Laurentiis Flash Gordon movie, which also they didn't realize was funny. And <laughs> uh, and he wrote Never Say Never Again. And his daughter wrote Where'd You Go, Bernadette, oh. which is now a movie. And hmm. but it, it, interesting writer, but yeah, a very different tone from the rest of the series too. It's a little more arch and a little more straight up satirical. Wait, that was a. I was trying to remember. I didn't go back and watch any of the episodes of the actual show, but, um, you know, that's the thing. Like when you grow up watching it in real time as a TV show, your parents let you watch and you take it totally at face value. And, you know, in retrospect, realize there's a lot of uh, little adult bits Uh or things that kids (laughs) wouldn't get anyway, not adult, not that adult, but then watching this movie, I thought, I don't remember it being this many 
you know, double entendres. It it approaches the climax. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a phrase I needed to hear him say. Nope. Nope. We, we shall never speak of that again. Nope. <laughs> you know, you talk about your ultimate uh, crossover event. They very quickly realized <laughs> through a, a series of um, deductions of nothing that are nonsense <laughs> that it's all the villains, <laughs> that it's the Riddler and the Joker and the Penguin oh. and Catwoman. And um, and that they have all teamed up together. Does uh, Lorenzo Semple Jr. have something against the United Nations? Because that's the other thing that's going on here is there's the United yeah. World where all the people of all the different countries yell at each other. And then yeah. there's the... And that's all they do. And that's all they do. They don't even listen. They just yeah. yell. And then there's the United Underworld, which is the organization mm-hmm. with the four supervillains as they plot the downfall of the of the united world so uh i don't know what he's got against the the un if that was timely political satire or whether it was just sort of like a hacky cheap joke i was wondering yeah about also the you know it's a dig at, at the military yeah. um yeah a big time well, like that's kind of made my jaw drop because like really wow yeah, that, i'm sure people were offended by that there's a whole bit I, my favorite part is where they call the the navy admiral and yeah. he just whistles yes. and sings anchors away a vast <laughs> and belay and, and then looks up well, they're playing tiddlywinks and he looks up whether they sold a sub to mr pn gwyn <laughs> and, and, yeah. and he's like hold on a second and then he's like got a rolodex apparently that contains all the subs i don't know yeah. and uh <laughs> And then they're firing off Polaris missiles and stuff from out of the the the, the secret villain submarine that's been sold. So I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. definitely. I mean, that's the sixty sensibility, right? Is I, the way I read that was ho ho. Everybody's a target for the scattershot satire of Batman the movie. <laughs> right. They are. It is all the villains: uh, Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman. Um, they have kidnapped uh, Commodore Schmedlap who has been bringing a secret invention to Gotham. Um, he is being held captive in a replica of his cabin that he thinks it's just, uh, he's they're in a fog bank. And that's actually a scene that I really enjoy where the Joker <laughs> serves him tea and he thinks the Joker's got a very pale complexion. And outside there's a, a henchman who's like, blowing a foghorn and um, make it and has like a flipper splashing in a pool of, of, of water and all these things mm-hmm. to make the sound effects of the of the the fog bank and uh, I thought that was actually a funny uh, that was a funny joke <laughs> there's just one guy <laughs> who's making all the all the sound effects to to hide the things from Admiral or Commodore Schmidlap. Well, he has a great invention, though. He does have a great invention. Oh, yeah. He has a great invention, invention to make to de- dehydrate whiskey. Or, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's a whiskey-related invention yes. that can also be a terrible, yes. terrible weapon. Yes, <laughs> I did, I was just amused when when they're trying to discover in in Commissioner Gordon's office who is uh, who is on the loose right now. Oh let's yes, go yeah. to the, <laughs> yes. Let's go to the closed circuit TV, and it's of course it's labeled. Yes, and there's like a little reference computer thing that kind of lists all the villains who are on the loose, and it's those four villains. And it is labeled. Oh, the labels, David. Can you? So you mentioned the bat labels. The bat labels a, a Twitter account. Like one of the things that is, if you are ever bored while watching Batman. Just just look at all the labels because every item is labeled everywhere. And in fact, it's called out in dialogue, which I really love later when the penguin yep. is in the bat cave and they, mm-hmm. they tell him that he can go get some water at the water fountain, which is 
clearly labeled. Clearly labeled. <laughs> He's a marked. He's a marked because I was waiting for labeled. I was like, oh, so close. I just love that. So, so it's the closed circuit TV, and it says closed circuit TV, and then yeah. all the shots of Joker, Penguin, and Riddler look like they were shot in some wedding reception hall with these like arched curtains behind them. But it yeah. turns out that's Miss Kitka's apartment. Mm. And you, you want to say to Bruce, Bruce, come on. You saw the pictures. <laughs> Greatest detective, come on. He wasn't noticing it then. He was he was distracted. That's right. He was yeah. he was blinded by love. Completely. <laughs> and the Only need for international break. relations. There's a bat boat. There's a bat boat. There's a bat copter. There's a bat cycle. There's a bat cycle. In my notes here, I've got the I mentioned the bat boat, and I want to say a, a thing about this uh this this shot that I actually really liked, there was a shot where they, they drive the Batmobile down the pier, they get out, they go down a pole into the Batboat, oh, yes. and then the Batboat mm-hmm. shoots off and they follow the Batboat. They're like in another boat or in a helicopter or something so that they, they can they capture this whole thing. And I was like, it's actually pretty cool that they that they, they show. it's that That is one of the more dynamic things in this movie is that scene, that shot. It was a Johnny LaRue helicopter shot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there are some really nicely directed scenes in this that I was surprised by. I'm impressed by the you know use of the of the doubles when there's a double. You can kind of tell, like, uh, you know, they they the great thing about wearing Joker's a Batman costume. From well, there are at least two sequences, two fight scenes where it's clearly Adam West and everybody else is a stunt double, and he does really well. Yeah, I gotta say, as you know, because watching fight choreography is my thing, and yeah, he does a good job. Um. And and the Cesar Romero stunt double looks nothing. <laughs> you have to look closely. It's amazing. His his head is too long, and he's got this weird look in his eye. I don't know. It's he's got the green wig. He's got the green wig. So you know, he's looking, and he doesn't have a mustache. It was pretty refreshing to watch a movie with no CGI in it. Like, right. They could have used a little, but but yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, those depth charges. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. There were oh, the, yeah. the, the depth charges were, were like rotoscoped <laughs> explosion thingies. <laughs> right. I did like, you know, when they're when they're magnetized to the the buoy. Yeah. I know we haven't even explained this, but when when he goes, "Oh, I will take my uh, transmitter and I will reverse, reverse the polarity." Reverse the polarity. Right. I wrote Which that is, down. Well before the third doctor. That's a, yeah. I mean, I I actually went on the TV tropes, I think, and looked up reversing the polarity, and it turns out that 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 was even used in like an H.G. Wells story in the 19th wow. century. So it goes back that far. Just popularized by the third doctor. Yeah. Um, that that is a peculiar peculiar scene where they are having <laughs> a a, among many really? where they are they're they magnetized to a buoy uh <laughs> the sub is firing torpedoes at them to kill them and batman is able to scramble them by reversing the polarity of the battery that he has with him and then the battery is dead and the last torpedo is going to kill them and they're like haha and it, and it explodes and all the villains high five it is so, such a weirdly structured thing and they all high five cut to batman and robin are going tooling away in the bat boat and you're and you're like what did what and in dialogue they say wow batman that was something yes that porpoise that noble porpoise noble, noble porpoise threw himself in front of the <laughs> torpedo we shall never know his like again what <laughs> yeah yeah uh, see now that so that's one of the weird things through the whole movie is that pacing cuz it's trying to do those cliffhangers like the show right but it can't but it can't 
and it doesn't have the narrator. It doesn't have William Dozier doing, you know, is this the end of Batman? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it doesn't have that. And it, it had this weird effect. I wrote this down. It, it's this weird effect that it's like watching a Netflix show where you're binging and there's no clear ending and beginning of the next episode. It just keeps going. Where Batman has got that very distinct break and you have to wait. I was going to say, as a kid watching Doctor Who, I watched the Omnibus editions, which is where they take the 25-minute serial and they edit out all the cliffhanger breaks. And it it, it felt a little like that, where it's like, we're getting to the climax and then it's over. And uh, we continue. (laughs) And like, wait, hmm? What? It's just off screen. And he blows up, <laughs> and oh no! Oh, he's fine. But but it is such a funny thing. It is both kind of brilliant that they that they call out like you just didn't see that oh, yeah. part, and also yeah. so frustrating. It's like with no, <laughs> something really amazing happened. You couldn't see it because it's too expensive yeah. for us to to show to you. Too expensive. And of course, the fourteen year old goes, "How did they get off the buoy? They were magnetized." I said, ah. It's. I'll explain the later. Porpoise. The porpoise yeah. got the porpoise. too. Once Be the explosion quiet, happened. 14 year old. <laughs> holy Polaris. I also like that the uh, them putting on their seatbelts is always shown. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because it's just important to be safe. But I did notice that the <laughs> penguin did not put on his when he took the Batmobile. I mean, he's, he's a villain. Right. He's a terrible. Villain. Yeah. Okay, let me take a brief break to tell you about our next sponsor. It is Moo. Moo is an online print and design company specializing in customizable business cards, postcards, stickers, and more for your business. And if you're new to Moo, you can order a free sample pack on their website. It's moo.com, M-O-O.com. And you can see what their products look like and hold them in your hand. They've got a whole suite of products, business cards, postcards, invitations, letterheads, stickers, flyers, so you can seamlessly promote yourself and your brand. And you can count on Moo's quality. They have special finishes like gold foil. There's new silver foil, raised spot gloss, letterpress. These little touches can make you stand out. And if you don't want to design your own card, guess what? Moo recently rolled out new templates for business cards inspired by their most creative customers. And they have luxurious hardcover notebooks featuring a Swiss binding. Every page lays flat. They're made with premium paper that's protected by a tough tactile cover. All of my business cards for the incomparable for six colors are made by Moo. In fact, my six colors cards come in six colors. I was able to do that through Moo. Pretty awesome. Just randomly, you get you, you don't know which color you're going to get when I give you one of my Moo business cards. So go to Moo.com. Use code PRINTMOO to get 15% off orders of $50 or more. That's Moo.com, M-O-O.com. And code PRINTMOO for 15% off any order of $50 or more. Thank you to Moo for supporting the incomparable. So uh, the, the big plan now from the, the uh, United Underworld is going to be that they need to kidnap a millionaire and hold him hostage, and that will lure Batman. And and I have to say, I love this idea. This is this is such a funny idea. And they're like, I know just the millionaire to kidnap Bruce Wayne. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this is this is oh the wackiness that is going to ensue because Bruce Wayne is going to be. And they're like, do you think Batman will come for you? And Bruce Wayne says to them, like, well, maybe. <laughs> like, oh, oh boy. I hope. So and so, so uh, Miss Kitka, uh, in a beautiful orange dress, I'll also say Lee Merriweather playing Catwoman, not any of no. the other cat many Catwomen that came before or after. It's Lee Merriweather for this. My understanding is Julie Newmar was unavailable 
to shoot yeah. the movie. She was recovering from some kind of back problem. So we get Lee Merriweather. Um, I, I enjoy all of the uh, people who are in Star Trek episodes who are mm-hmm. in this uh, <laughs> that are basically around the same time. Lee Mer- Merriweather, Frank Gorshin. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, she's she's wearing her orange dress and speaking with her Russian accent. And they, they go to a groovy restaurant or club where there's everybody sitting on the floor and Somebody's playing something that sounds like I Can't Help Falling in Love with You by Elvis, except yeah, it's in it French. It was like almost. Almost, yeah. but not quite. Um, and uh, and Bruce Wayne is on a date with Miss Kitka. And I got to say, actually a little bit of Shades of uh, Batman Returns, where mm-hmm. I, I find Bruce Wayne and Catwoman's alter ego going out on a date much more interesting than almost anything in, involving Batman and Catwoman. And it's, I, I liked this, <laughs> I liked this wacky kooky's sixties date. I thought it was really great. And I, I love that it just keeps going it too. It keeps going and going and I'm like, what are you going to make your move, Bruce? Yeah. Well, finally. Yeah. She's like, can I escort you up to that rented penthouse apartment? And I love that uh, he has Alfred, uh, driving the Batmobile. And, and of course he says, you do have your driver's license, don't you? <laughs> yes, it's in my wallet, sir. Yeah. And so, so he, and he's driving the Batmobile very sedately mm-hmm. yeah. with Robin and they're, they're eavesdropping and watching the date. And the and Robin parts. Oh man. Robin is a for. little, a little perturbed. A <laughs> <laughs> lot, lot of uh, jokes about how if you're monitoring somebody's date and then the date gets hot and heavy, you got to turn off the thing. And it's like, but if we turn off the thing, then that puts him in danger. Yeah, but, you know, and, and it's very much like, well, let's weigh this, his privacy or his safety. And Robin's like, <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to see That's this. That's what it comes down <laughs> this to. This is disturbing. <laughs> Turn it off. Turn it off. Alfred might like to watch. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's just his duty because he's supposed to be protecting Bruce yeah. Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Where was that camera anyway? <laughs> that was. I was wondering <laughs> that too. <laughs> it's like any one of these shows where they have the camera or the flashback that's on video and it's a perfectly edited with zooms and things. And you're like, <laughs> no, that's not how a, a, a camera like that would work. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, we also get to have a fight scene where Bruce Wayne himself, not Batman, mm-hmm. fights the supervillains in there when he's taken to their hideout and escapes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a pretty well, they nice, manage to nice subdue trick. him first. They do. They do take him to the hideout. They do. Yes. And they fake him out by getting him to see Miss Kitka. He wants to make sure that Miss well. Kitka is okay and she and and right. Catwoman's like, "All right, take him to holding cell 18 and I'll be there in a minute cuz this place is huge and has 18 holding cells apparently." And it's a labyrinth and yeah. And it's, it's like and it's literally and the next room. Yeah. The it's next the next room. door and, over, yeah. But but it's, you know, it's it's in its own way a lovely little bedroom farce thing going on. Yeah. Completely. Uh, you know dual identities yeah. i mean i kind of brilliant i kind of again kind of would like a whole movie of that that that, right? that is <laughs> right, yes. that is so good yes <laughs> well i'm writing I, again, that down hang on all right eight-year-old me is never noticed ever you know a scene where they throw batman at catwoman where his face lands in her bosom and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right that could have happened. I don't remember it, but I was like, whoa, they are not fooling around 
with this fooling around scene, yeah. you know, of two people tied up on a bed. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting more horrified as we talk. <laughs> well, it's the freedom of the movies. They, they could not have done that on the TV series. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It wasn't until Mike and Carol Brady, they were the first ones who got to share a bed in 69. Yeah. Nice. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, I don't even want to talk about the Brady Bunch. Uh, Let's talk, (laughs) let's talk about uh, the Grayson or invasion, the great invention of Commodore Schmidlap, which is of course his (laughs) uh, whiskey related dehydrator beam. Um, that also a little animation that, that uh that's right some more some more uh, cgi oh, yeah. of the time the dehydrator beam uh there is uh they're going to use this to dehydrate uh, people uh the first time we see it used is they dehydrate some henchmen in order to smuggle some them guinea pigs into i'm like wait wait no not real guinea but pigs. A, a a very <laughs> important thing happens where um after after Bruce, before we get there, after Bruce escapes from the United Underworld, uh, Batman and Robin return, and what they find is a bomb. And, like, literally, <laughs> it is a cartoon bomb. It is a big black ball with a, a stem that... It is meant to meant to be meant to be like a fuse, but it's actually just kind of a stem and a it's like a flare. and a flare sticking mm-hmm. out of it, a sparkler, um, and this leads to. You know, <laughs> I, it's not twenty five minutes. It, it goes. This is probably what it's most it, famous it, it, for. It's what it's yeah. most famous for. You know, it's a good joke. It, it's like like yes. referencing a joke in a in a Marx Brothers movie. It is like it's a good bit. It, it, it Batman is running around on this pier trying to find a way, increasingly panicky to to get rid of the bomb. And it starts out and it's a traditional wow. kind of superhero. Like I can't go, I can't throw it here. There's somebody over there. Where do I go? Well, there's a woman with a baby carriage. And, oh, there's a nun. There's, Where none. there's nuns the nun. and a marching there's band. A Salvation Army band. Then the ducks. And there's ducks, which which. Baby the ducks. ducks are funny, but we watched it this yeah. time and said, you know, it's even funnier because they're wooden ducks and the sound that they make is peeping, which is mm-hmm. not a sound ducks make. So it's not even, it's completely <laughs> nonsensical and they're fake ducks. Um, and there's that one moment where Batman is running and he's he's basically becoming surrounded by the baby in the baby carriage, the nuns and the marching right. band. And he's like, right. no. And then he runs off camera and again, off camera, there's a big explosion. Because it, yeah. it all but happens he, off camera. When he sees the ducks, that's the famous that, line. And then he that's says, the some line. days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Mm. And that is so... I almost think they had that and they made the whole movie around that gag. Because it's just so it wonderful. It's great. It's a little long, but it's... I, yeah, I, I love It's great. It. But, and, and to Dr. Drang's point, yeah, it, it, it goes on a while. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, like, I, like does. did we need the Salvation Army Band three times? Three times? That's I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Know. It, it. Yeah. I think. I think pacing wise, well, humor pacing. comes in threes. Uh, yeah. I feel like. I feel like the band <laughs> and they keep playing bringing in the sheets. Yes, bringing in the sheets. Like, there are more than one song. I do think the bit where they all come back, like they're haunting Batman. They're yes. like just surrounding yes, him, so we can't get rid of the bomb. That's brilliant. That's a good joke. But we see them all a few too many times. Uh, but but still, it's a it's a good joke. It is. There's no there's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. And this is also where they uh, they uh, Robin suggests that he could have just blown up the the uh, the bar that the the drunks and 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 that's where Batman says they may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. 
Good, <laughs> Batman. All right, good. The old Bembo Tavern. <laughs> Earlier, Batman described the area as a low and filthy neighborhood filled with rum pots. Yeah. So he, he's kind of back and forth on things. Well, they're rum pots, but they, they you know, they... Well, they're still they human are beings. Still yes, human they beings. may, they may right. be rum pots, Robin, <laughs> but they are also human beings. The dehydrator is used on the on the henchman, and then uh, pretending to be Commodore Schmidlap, the penguin, uh, and they and it's one of these moments. I had these a lot where it's like, is Bat- does Batman know or not? But in here, here <laughs> he, they totally know that he's the penguin, right. but they're going to go along with him, and they take him back to the Batcave. What they don't realize is that 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 uh, properly uh, marked um, water well, fountain. I, I wrote it down. The drinking water dispenser is clearly, clearly marked. marked. And yes. then he uses that to rehydrate the penguin is five. So he's smuggled in the dehydrated guys who are, uh, again, like a Star Trek episode. That's the plot of a Star Trek episode. You yeah. can take all the water out of somebody and make a little cube. Well, here they're, they're pixie, yeah. uh, pixie sticks is what you get. You get, you get some colored, <laughs> you know, colored sugar for all the people and the, and the, uh, and they rehydrate in the back cave. And so then there's a big fight and the penguin thinks that he's going to, uh, defeat them with his smuggled in henchmen, but that doesn't happen. And because because you're used to the series, you're all like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a fight. This is going to be awesome. And they're going to have all the words. And then as soon as any of them get touched, they pop. Yes. And this is another yeah. because another weird zigzag thing that they pull out of nowhere, which is it turns out that the uh, the penguin apparently didn't use the marked water dispenser. Well, he, he used accidentally... the heavy water. He accidentally yeah. flipped a switch right. over from right. light water to, to heavy, heavy water. water. Sort of. It's like picking the it's like picking up the abnormal brain in right. Frankenstein. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Flips a rookie mistake. And didn't it's didn't a problem recognize with it. The, yeah. Problem with the the user interface on that that yes. clearly marked it was water not dispenser. Clearly marked. Yeah. It was. He just wasn't looking at the fact <laughs> that he turned it over to heavy. Yeah, I would argue that mm. um, nothing that could dispense water for human consumption should also be allowed to dispense heavy water. But who am I to argue with Batman? <laughs> I would say there should be a dialogue box that comes up and says, are you sure you want to yes. do this? Um, <laughs> okay, cancel. Okay, <laughs> cancel. Um, so uh, they, yeah, so they, they just disappear. And it's a funny moment where, because this is like for kids or whatever, where Robin Robin is upset when it's revealed that these guys all popped when they were punched. And he's like, so they're not going to come back? And Batman's like, no, Robin. Mm. No, they're, they're no, not. Not in this not universe. Not in this universe. <laughs> it was a very uh, somber moment. Yes. I also like that they were turned into antimatter and nobody questions how where that went or how that happened. But Just, whatever. Yeah, that's it. That's the answer. They pop like a bubble. In the backcopter, they dodge a missile. Um, and this is another one of those wacky uh, things where they're, they're going to surely die and they crash. And with just a little bit of luck, they ended up in at the foam rubber convention. And, yes. and so the bad copter lands perfectly cushioned in the foam rubber sample pit yeah. at the foam rubber uh, right. convention, which... Convention. Yeah. Which does that... No, that does not no. exist. But no, as a, uh, you know, as a gambler, the, the odds are so great, even a gambler uh, would not... I, I like Batman's line where he's like, I thought I saw that out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> okay. It is, it is, this is, a, these are, these are not bad jokes, I think, where it's the, it really oh, yeah. is the, 
uh, how are they going to get out of this one? And the answer will be the most ludicrous thing you can possibly imagine, which in this case is the, uh, the, the foam rubber convention. It's, uh, again, you can't, you can't take and, it too seriously. It's ridiculous, but it's funny. And I mean, again, simple had written the pilot as a sitcom yeah. and they kind of did, you know, they kind of got silly even in the first season. And this is clearly not just, you know, making fun of, you know, politics and making fun of pop, pop art and all that. This is also making fun of the show at the same time. It's very sly. The, the, the crash of the, of the Batcopter was happened while they were chasing the penguin, right? In the Batmobile. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah so that it so, took the bat cycle to the Batcopter to chase the penguin. Chase oh, the penguin. right. Yes, exactly. Robin is riding in a sidecar that has no windshield yeah. because it's ejectable. And the only thing that the ejection does is get him to the other side of the Batcopter <laughs> so he doesn't have to <laughs> walk <laughs> across. I was it's, like, it's not Bat go kart away. Right. Could he look more like sidekicky than being in that like tricycle size? Roller thing rolling over. To exactly. The I mean, what's more demeaning than a sidecar is a sidecar that's like a go kart without a windshield. That's that's what's more. <laughs> Holy bugs in my teeth, Batman! After they uh, get up out, dust themselves off from the foam rubber, they run yes, through Midtown run Gotham to, to get mm-hmm. to get to the Security Council headquarters yes. because yeah. they have worked out the riddle. From that from was more of these inane from, riddles from the Polaris uh, missile that knocked them out of right, the air. Right, because the Polaris missiles also do skywriting. <laughs> because <laughs> they're riddles, riddles. Yes. yes. And yes. they realize they have to go to the the United World, and and uh, that's where they're going to, uh, and that and that's where we see that all the different ambassadors who just speak their own language and yell at each other. Yes. And the elevator where they can't figure out how to how to what, where, yes. what button to push because they have to go through many different languages yes. before they hit. That's a Republican uh, uh, meme, up. I think. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> press press nine for English. I believe oh. is what is. I what loved it. I, that was cracking up. <laughs> and and the fourteen year old goes, "Wouldn't the button on top be up?" <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. probably so. Mm-hmm. So they they dehydrate the United World Security Council and take them back to the sub. And there's a fist fight on the top of the sub. Uh, my favorite part of the fist fight on the top of the sub is Batman throwing the black cat in the lifeboat. Yes. In the dance. Yes. And, yeah. and saying, bon voyage, pussy. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that he, he's got to rescue that black cat and toss. And then and the and they cut back well, to the, the cat. The, That's the best part is like, let's get the cat's reaction on to this. Well, and the thing, if you watch that carefully, that's a real cat the whole time as he's running oh, around yeah. and pushing people out. Oh, yeah. And the is cat is really? pretty chill. That's and a good he cat. does a really good job of handling that cat. Okay. I was impressed. Yeah, that's a good cat. And well, then the cat does a good job too, then. Yeah. I uh, mean, they probably do. The guy who plays it, the but... cat in this is great. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> a classic Batman, you know, trait that. Even the evil cat from Catwoman, he can't just like he, toss He's it just in an the innocent water. animal That's like that right, porpoise. Yeah. You know, it's it's not his fault mm-hmm. that that the cat didn't ask to be to evil. be part of Catwoman's uh, the, okay. the cat was drawn in. So mm-hmm. so it is revealed that Miss Kitka is in fact the Catwoman. Holy heartbreak! Holy heartbreak! Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. Uh, that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just one of those things in the life of a crime fighter it, it means yes. nothing that is one of the most brutal lines of dialogue you'll ever hear yeah. this batman say yep. it's just a thing that happens in the life of a crime fighter it means nothing yeah. <laughs> little 
denial <laughs> going is, on that there, is Batman? Maybe my favorite line. Like, just push it all down. Batman says, push it down. <laughs> it means nothing. Uh, its heart is broken because he really liked that Miss Kitka, and it turns out she's just uh, the Catwoman. It's not to be. It's very sad. Uh, anyway, uh, Commodore yeah. Schmidlap is free, and that's great. So he breaks all the vials and mixes up the uh, pixie dust of all yeah. of the council members, <laughs> which means Batman, who is apparently the world's authority <laughs> on molecular <laughs> sorting, separate dust well, separating. Yes. Yeah. Now, did 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 that device say super molecular? Yes. It did. Instead of mm-hmm. instead of bat molecular. I thought it should have um, said bat separate. too. Yeah. yeah. There there is some early on when they're looking at the photographic thing to to discover that that projection buoy, there's yes. there's a thing that says um f- like film development lab super fine bat grain. Bat grain. Yeah. But, yeah. I I feel like there were some, you know, opportunities for adding bat to the nouns that they missed and that was one of them they showed some restraint i appreciate that <laughs> the, the bat grain <laughs> the rare bit of restraint <laughs> um so the super molecular dust separator uh does and and the uh, the council was in sort of a rainbow rainbow colors everybody got their own color of of uh sugar in their little pile, mm-hmm. their little dehydrated pile. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin asks Batman if they should meddle <laughs> with the samples in order to uh, make it that we could all under understand each other a little bit better. But Batman says good no. Um, we must, you know, we must do this on our own, and and we'll just put these together. But of course, what ends up happening? Uh, they take the the piles of uh, the vials of uh, of of colored person back to the security council office they have a whole thing where you know batman has got a whole like gadget where he's got little tubes that run from a little water distributor to the individual chairs so that they'll all get their water at the same time totally includes a garden hose the garden hose. that's that is that is my favorite part of the movie is the reveal (laughs) of the garden hose as he brings it up from out of the frame below and brings it up and it's the green garden hose that that robin has to attach to the to the faucet he's you know everything else i mean it still looks crappy but it's you know they're all in test tubes and they're all little test tube stands and they're little uh, tigon tubing going off to every one of them and little petcocks here and there Uh but it's all coming out of a garden hose. Yeah, he hands the garden hose. The best part, too, is not only does he bring the garden hose into the frame, but then he hands it to Robin and says, Robin, you know, he's like, do the honors. You know what to do here with this garden hose that I've given you right now. And he's like, get yeah, this right, Batman. And he's got to, like, Robin. screw the garden hose onto the end of the faucet and turn the faucet. And and then, uh, yeah. And then the they, they are rehydrated, Holy but everybody everybody's speaking a different language now. It's unclear what that means. Are they all mixed up together? Uh, don't think about it too hard, but perhaps the world will be better because the uh, the uh, Japanese ambassador speaks English now. I don't know. And let's not forget the call-outs to uh, President Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they get President Johnson beagles. on the phone at a couple of points in there, and he's it, there's a beagle, and his back is to the camera, and it's a guy speaking with a Texas accent, and it's very much a an LBJ. Sort of a Texas. So, well, yeah. sort of a Texas. Yeah. G- given how fair. many people, they could have had Frank Gorshin do a better uh, LBJ yeah, than, they than that had. guy. Yeah. It was yeah. Van Williams who played the Green Hornet in Green William Dozier's yeah. Green Hornet oh, really? series at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no ex- accent expert, but it felt way more like Deep South than yeah. Texas to me. Yeah. The way the movie ends is great because after 
having rehy having having filtered out all the dust and rehydrated them and done a terrible job of it so everybody speaks the wrong language batman looks at robin and says well robin while everybody doesn't understand what's going on let's leave we're gonna go out the window <laughs> and they'll never catch us <laughs> and they do inconspicuous inconspicuously uh-huh. and so they do they climb down the wall of the world united world headquarters they just dangle if they're they're like just lowered on ropes yep. in the long shot yeah that's right it's, it's the one time where we don't see them yeah. in the trademark turn the camera sideways because right. they do that a couple of times yeah. in this movie where they do their walk up the side of a building which i loved yeah. as a kid i always thought that was the funniest yeah. thing. and then up comes the caption the living end question mark like, groovy uh okay. groovy man groovy, groovy. Yeah. 1966 so yeah. okay how how uh, how did everybody feel about revisiting this uh, the, the the classic Batman Doctor Drang? Well, I loved it. Uh, I mean, I think I think it suffers from being a movie. I think the episodic nature yeah. of of the TV show was better. I think uh, you know the the continual interruption by the narrator mm-hmm. in the TV show was always better. I don't think they really had an hour and a half or however long this movie is of stuff. That's one of the reasons why the bomb thing goes on for so long is that they're stretching. Um, but how can you not love this movie? Uh, the, um, the, the villains, with the exception of Lee Merriweather, the villains are so good. They, they, are ju- they are chewing the scenery unbelievably, and they all know that each one is trying to upstage the other, and they're, they're mm-hmm. all going for it. And, you know, Frank Gorshin, I am, mm-hmm. was very active. I mean, he's, he's yeah. jumping around. He's, oh, he's you know, when they first, Yeah, when, when they uh, uh, dehydrate the guinea pigs, you know, he sort of, he just sort of throws himself down onto the ground to look at them carefully and just and he's he's completely manic and and of course they they all well no penguin's not manic but Cesar Romero is great run silent run deep from the penguin I mean it's yeah they're great it's it's the the great the regret mm-hmm. that I have of this movie is that Lee Merriweather just is not she's not over the top she needs to be over the top and she and julie newmar would have yeah. been over the top just because of the way yeah. she was and eartha kit my god would have been over the <clears> i top really like lee merriweather as miss kitka but as catwoman mm-hmm. but not as she's catwoman. just kind of there yeah. there's a perfect every now and then like she says perfect at mm-hmm. one point when she's miss kitka and i i kept yes. waiting for batman to have that moment batman. of like what to, but yeah to no. tumble to Mm-mm. it no he doesn't get it but uh, but yeah, I agree that that it's worth appreciating these actors who play these iconic roles: Gorshin, Burgess Meredith, and and yeah, Cesar Romero. Like I know a lot of great actors have played the Joker, and there are a lot of different takes on the Joker. Joker is definitely a, a character that actors want to play, but Cesar Romero, like he does a great job. He is, he's really manic. He is in this. so manic. He set the template. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, you think about, I mean, you know, is there a better actor than Jack Nicholson? No, but Jack Nicholson took, <laughs> took his Joker from no Cesar doubt. Romero. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. I still prefer Cesar Romero. I mean, <laughs> Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill is delightful in the animated series. And, it's, you know, he's doing his own thing on top, but it's still, you know, you've got that bedrock of Cesar Romero there, the laugh. 
alone is is straight out of this. Yep. And and I mean Frank Gorshin, come on. I, Frank Gorshin is excellent as the Riddler, yeah. despite the fact that the writers of Batman don't seem to understand what a riddle <laughs> is <laughs> or how one would write a riddle. <laughs> the whole idea, the structure of these clues that get launched on these missiles is that they're supposed to like, it's, you, sh- you should solve them. But what happens is the... Um, the, 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 the riddles don't make any sense. These are joke riddles. They're like riddles, but they're jokes. What's five inches tall and lives, lives in a tree and is deadly. It's like a sparrow with a machine gun. Like, yes, Robin, that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a style of joke in the (laughs) sixties and and into the early seventies. The, the, the ballpoint banana joke. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. that was a real joke Uh, there. You know, uh, how do you catch a squirrel? Climb a tree and make a noise like a nut. That was a joke that I thought was hilarious when I was eight years old. It's uh, it's very classic Mad Magazine. Not something yeah, you would yes. have as a, as a clue. Well, and right. then, and no, then they come right. up with no. the answers, and the even with the answers, they don't make sense. And they say, "Well, of course, their deductions. Of course, don't connect it's to this." Yeah. And then they move on. And I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> it, it's absurd and and funny. Uh, and I did laugh, especially at the sparrow with the machine gun. I thought that was ridiculous that they know that <laughs> that answer. Uh, and they're like, and, and and also you get the interplay where where and like Robin no gets time. it, and Batman's like, yes, correct, Robin. Like he already knew it, but he's just testing him <laughs> about whether you got that. And he's like, yes, you got it. You could jump. Well, you got to let the young guy figure it out sometimes, you know, on his own. Uh, so that's all. That's all funny. But at the same time, I also thought like, oh, but the Riddler like. One of the things that's clever about the Riddler is that he has like a—that's th- all he's got, right? Is he's got his clever riddles, and instead right. they're just ludicrous things that make mean nothing. He, and it's like, all right, whatever. Hang on, he's also got that whole side business as Matthew Lesko. <laughs> he's cornered the market yes, on sure. question marks in apparel. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, what else, uh, Gene? How did you how did you feel about revisiting Batman 1966? Uh, it was. It was so much fun. I didn't expect to watch it like quite as avidly and, and like, you know, it took me right back to childhood, except for, you know, the uh, the adult stuff, which now I understand. And I'm like, oh, now I see what's going on there. <laughs> I didn't get it back then. But uh, I have to say uh, the colors were incredible. I'm a little sorry when I, uh, so I actually bought this cause I was like, eh, I'm just going to buy it. Cause I think I'm going to, uh, show it, you know, when I'm doing ant duty, I think it's a good movie. Uh, not unlike the monkeys, which I got a lot of mileage out of as an ant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was the same price for HD or SD. And I thought, eh, well, I'll get HD. And I was Right in the first 10 minutes, I was like, I should have just gotten standard <laughs> definition because I see too much already. I don't want to see all really that. You can really see Cesar Romero's uh-huh. mustache. Right. Yeah. There was his mustache. <laughs> Batman's costume has too many seams. Uh, I was like, oh. Ooh, yeah. yeah, but at least you can read the signs then. Though, and the labels. The yes, that's the true. The labels better. You know, in, yeah, you can pause and read the signs. So you make sure you get that super fine bat green. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I loved, okay, and, yeah, as you said, like, the actors are, are incredible. Um, I agree about Lee Merriweather, who, you know, is, I think is also an important actress of the 70s. The, you know, she's 
super well known back then. And she did a good job as she could, but, but who she was up against was, you know, it was kind of no contest. I mean, Burgess Meredith watching him, it just like, wow, I forgot how good, how good, good, good they were. Um, All three of them and able to be like three, you know, they are, as you said earlier, like they're, they're kind of like competitively chewing the scenery. Um, That's, that's just super exciting. But I think, you know, the main thing to me was Batman was, uh, he's so good, you know, Adam West is so good, the whole way, his whole delivery. Um, My one disappointment, which I didn't remember, as I signed up for this was like, oh, yeah, Batgirl doesn't come into this until the next season. And Batgirl was definitely my idol. Uh, Back then, I I would have killed to have her apartment and her motorcycle <laughs> and her costume. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's an important uh, thing to remember about this whole like representation thing is like, I totally enjoyed Batman before there was Batgirl. But then when there was Batgirl, I was like, oh, I could be on the team. Right. I could be there. I could. Right. And that was super, right. super exciting to me. David? I loved it. I mean, this is this version of batman is why batman was always my superhero all these decades you know that's what i grew up on you know even even if i wasn't getting the jokes when i was little or getting all of the jokes i i knew that it was meant to be funny it wasn't straight and you know and that that just sort of goes along with all the other things that i've grew up loving and you know and i had my mother alongside to to explain things every now and then um (laughs) Like she would point out who the cameos were uh, for the ones that I didn't recognize. Like in, in the series, there's yeah, Dick Clark pops out of a window at one point. Um, Werner Klemperer as Colonel Clink pops out of a window <laughs> in one episode. You know, that, that was such a bizarre, delightful thing. And um, so, yeah, this, like I said, the pacing is odd because I don't think they really thought out well enough how to make it a movie. Um, and it's, there are a lot of repetitive things. Uh, it's not just that the bomb, right? It's like, oh, it's another thing with the boat and it's another shot of torpedoes and it's another, you know, there's a lot of repetition in it, but for what it is, it's delightful. Yeah. At 104 minutes, it should probably be 90 minutes, but that's, uh, (laughs) the, Yeah. yeah, I, I enjoy this I think this is not the best representation of 60s Batman. I think the the breathless narration and the very yes. fast pace of half hour episodes with cliffhangers and everything's a two parter. Like I think those are a better representation of of the 60s Batman. But it was fun to watch this very strange uh, document of that that's <laughs> associated with that. And it's almost like they made it before they had totally figured out the series because. The first season, it was a mid-season Yeah, and I think they thing. originally thought that they were going to be able to do the movie to introduce the char- characters and then have the series. Right. And then the timing didn't work out and it ended up coming after the, the series had already premiered. But and, and so it loses some of the charm of things like the narration or the words. I mean, the words only show up in right. the final fight scene what, right. 90 minutes into the thing. And you're like, and, it, and then it's weird because you right. haven't had them for 90 minutes. It's, yeah, it's a very odd I think in pondering like the larger kind of contribution to the the culture, I, as I said at the beginning, I feel like it did a, it maybe did a 
disservice to comic books and to superheroes in that it was so wildly popular and such a breakthrough that I think it basically set the message that this is what comic books and superheroes are. They're silly. They're ridiculous. They have zap, zap pow, bam <laughs> kind of stuff. And while they they can do that, they don't just do that. But I think that you know that's not the fault of this. I think that's the fault of this becoming so wildly popular and breaking through into people's consciousness about like superheroes and and comic books that it just it lingered and it really did linger for a long time in fact i have a little bit of a theory that the movie batman's men's from the late 80s and 90s were cast by people who thought that batman was supposed to be funny and then placed in movies where they weren't Mm -hmm. funny because michael keaton Mm. michael keaton was a good batman but and, and had some sense of humor, but it was not quite there. And, and if you lo- watch that, watch those movies, they are weird and arch and have some of that in it. And I would say, actually, the maybe not George Clooney, yeah. but uh, Val Kilmer, I could make that same kind of argument that he's a little, he's best when he's a little bit askew, but he wasn't allowed to be that in that movie and so he's not uh, but it, it's just it, it's interesting to see how our conception of batman over time has changed our conception of superheroes over time has changed and in fact i would argue that the success of the marvel movies is in part because of the fact that marvel allows those movies to have some humor and to have their characters have some humanity yes. that um so I, I said the pendulum had swung the other way. There is an argument to be made that the Marvel movies actually started pushing the pendulum back a little bit from the extremity of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight movies, let's say. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I've come yeah. come over to Marvel after all these decades of not actually being all that much of a Marvel fan. Um, Michael Keaton, though, I mean, he and Burton had done Beetlejuice. They were coming right off of that. Um, and I think he had in mind that he wanted Keaton... To just, you know, to be light enough to be Bruce Wayne, and mm-hmm. and to sort of leaven the rest of the, yeah, the, which he the does darkness of it, which he, which he, and he does. He does. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he's my favorite movie Batman. I I mean, watching Burgess Meredith, all I could think was like, oh, I'm so relieved to see the real Penguin right? to me, uh, <laughs> yeah, because right. uh, the Danny DeVito Penguin was so so disturbing. Yeah, it's 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 funny to think about all the different. I, I honestly, as we come to the end of this, Batman won a tournament many years ago and we watched a bunch of different Batman movies on this podcast. Um, the one thing that, that has really stuck with me is that Batman as a concept is so great that everybody wants to keep, you know, carting him out. And yet the different takes on Batman, there are as many takes on Batman as you could possibly have. Like everyone can be different. Everything has uh, its its uh, strengths and weaknesses. And I think Batman can be serious and dark and it can be a good movie like batman begins um, batman can be light and funny and if i have a if i have an thing that i've learned about all of this i would say it's that i come back to feeling like that the dc movies are leaving maybe because they're afraid of being viewed like adam west batman is that still hanging over them 50 years later because because i don't know i like it when these superheroes i like it when when adam west is serious but there's a twinkle in his eye like it's so (laughs) good to have batman be like 
he's dressed very seriously. His story is very serious. Fighting crime is serious business. And yet there's a twinkle in his eye. Like, I feel like that's the perfect spot for Batman. And I, I was reminded of that watching Adam West in this. Yeah. I, I think Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder just take it too seriously. Well, I think there's a backlash. I think it's, I think there really is, whether it's conscious or, or not, a, a backlash against Batman where there are fans of Batman who look at the Bruce Wayne of uh, Adam West and think, oh boy, like it's, uh, it's offensive. Right. It's not Batman. Right. It's terrible. We're, I've had to live this down my entire life. I'm going to correct this. It's like, I get it. It was silly right. and it had a lot of after effects that maybe did allowed, uh, prevented people from taking the medium seriously and taking the the genre seriously that's at the same time there's a reason that it broke through with people and it resonated mm-hmm. and that that's because they were human and understandable and funny and those are not things that should be discarded i think and even even though the ratings on the series they started disintegrating in the second season and just sort of you know went off a cliff in the in the final season um the show really rejuvenated the comic book and sales of the comic book skyrocketed. I mean, it because they were literally on the verge of canceling the book. <laughs> As Jason said at the beginning, it was this this was a a huge cultural thing that crossed yeah. way outside of comic books and continued for decades afterward. Right. Um, you know, Gene, I think you you know, you you saw them in the evening when they were shown right. originally. Right. And, and so did I. And I don't remember, I don't remember seeing the shows so much. I, I, I have a better memory of when I saw them in reruns when I was mm-hmm. 10 years old or whatever. But what the, one thing I do remember very distinctly is that my mom and I watched the first episode uh, together and my dad didn't want to watch it because I, you know what, it was going to be silly, whatever. And um, the next day, he came home from work and said, I have to watch Batman. (laughs) And it was because that was all that was talked about at work the next day. (laughs) Everybody Uh. at his office was talking about it. There were no uh, Caterpillars excavators did not get designed (laughs) that next day because everybody everybody was talking about Batman. And the the way it was structured was that it ran in two half hour episodes during the week right on like consecutive days yeah. or like tuesdays and thursdays or something like that Con- yeah. it was consecutive days because yeah. it was tune in tomorrow same bat time same bat channel people still same say stuff station. like that now too right. i mean they, yeah. the echo of, yeah. of yes. this even if people don't re- realize they're referencing batman from the 60s they they often are um funny story about that uh, yeah. it did right. the ratings did burn bright and then fade away and there's some various uh, you know theories about why um i think some people felt like there was more mileage in it, but the ABC wanted to be done with it. And this is kind of an amazing story, which is yeah. ABC canceled the show and they folded yeah. the set. They, they, uh, they scrapped the, they destroyed the they sets. Destroyed the sets. Meanwhile, as they were destroying the sets, NBC said, we want to pick up Batman. And then they found out that they destroyed mm-hmm. all the sets and they'd have to rebuild them at the cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they said, forget it. So it's, yeah. So it, uh, it was actually not as much of a failure as you me. would think that NBC, <laughs> which was very busily canceling Star Trek at this point, wanted to. <laughs> Wait a second, well, NBC. They, they were canceling Man from Uncle, which had gone campy uh, in yeah. response and, to and, Batman. And so they wanted Batman. Yeah. And that but uh, sadly, they made, had made the mistake of destroying the sets. And so 
NBC uh, dropped out of it, but it's stuck in, it's stuck in, I mean, I didn't know any of this. All I know is I just watched it. And uh, as a kid who did not read comic books, that was the, the thing that turned me on to superheroes. And as you know, I'm still watching them, even if I'm not reading them. And so other thing that I think doesn't get enough play is because it was a huge hit at the beginning and Star Trek was not, although that's a story that's over told Star Trek got better ratings than you'd think. And it got canceled mostly because everybody hated Gene Roddenberry. Um, (laughs) and, and it's true. You can look it up. Um, I don't think Batman gets enough credit. Batman, like Star Trek, is one of these examples of a show that had this incredible afterlife in the 70s in syndication, where it was running five days right. a week, and kids like me and David were watching oh, it yeah. on in the afternoon and did, had no idea that it was it was 10 years old. And um, it was a, an enormous success in syndication in the 70s to the point where, yeah, they ended up doing an animated version with the original actors um Mm -hmm. and you know rolled that into the super friends later and stuff like that like it was definitely i think uh like star trek a show that very rapidly everybody who canceled it regretted it (laughs) right and and it's had such a life in in recent years dc comics has actually done a batman 66 book in you know with their likenesses and that style and they're funny and, i've read uh, a few of those and they're they are the funny movies. in the style they're of really the good. original batman and one of my favorites they they actually did this as a as a special graphic novel harlan ellison wrote a script that was never used for the series what? with two-face and so they turned that into a graphic novel the city on the edge of of, of gotham of batman of, of uh, gotham, yeah. gotham. <laughs> The goth, the yeah, goth I, on the and I will say again, uh, there is actually speaking of Batman, the Brave and the Bold. There is an episode of that because that the concept there because Brave and the Bold was a, a comic that was like the Marvel team up of Batman. It was Batman and some other DC superhero every issue, uh, fight you know with a story about them, and that was the premise of Batman, Brave and the Bold. It was Batman and someone else, and there, there's an episode of Batman, the Brave and the Bold that I talked about with Tony Sindelar on Batman University, that is Batman and Robin is his team up, and it is an extended homage to the 60s batman and it's hilarious because the concept is basically robin has tried really hard to get out from under the shadow of batman and he goes back to gotham city <laughs> and batman tre- it's like a kid coming home from college and batman's treating him like his young ward and he's like i'm on my own now and it is hilarious with lots of references to the the the, the shakespeare with the little oh. switch under it and we didn't even mention that this yeah. very very cleverly right. shows us how uh, when you slide down the bat pole there's an instant uh costume Costume thing that you can flip the switch, the lever. Yeah, the lever. It explains that you flip. why they're yeah. in their costumes when they get to the bottom, and there's a steam powered reverse so you can get back <laughs> up. So I talked to Tony, our friend Tony Sindelar, dean of Batman University, and I asked him yeah. about this because he can't be here because he's feeling leather or he's fighting crime, and his it could be. Um, and, and his feeling, you know, is <laughs> it, what he said is it's fine, it feels very California. And I think the truth is, you know, he didn't grow up with this kind of batman he grew up with batman the animated series which i totally get how that's a different view on batman but um what i like about the fact that this batman story exists is and the, and these these takes on batman exist is that it 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 fleshes out like all of the different aspects of a character like this is a character that's got more um more depth and more flexibility than you might think if you just uh grew up on one kind of batman Speaking of multiple types of Batman, one mm-hmm. of my favorite 
Brave and the Bold episodes is one where Batmite shows up again and, and he's voiced by Paul Rubens. And uh, it's it does this wild fantasia of various different Batman mm. and different styles and types of Batman. And it's it's delightful. It's it's and it's all basically it's either all in Batman's head or it's Batmite screwing around with him. But it's it's just amazing that they got away with that. They, they even did a musical episode. They did. That's that's uh, and it's with, good music, too. with Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank my panel for joining me here in the last of our live action Batman feature film episodes. At last, we've reached the end. David J. Lore, thank you for being here. A pleasure anytime. I'm going to go start labeling my house. <laughs> I have four label makers. <laughs> I have a label maker, too, and I never really associated it before with Batman. <laughs> Bat-dimo label maker. Just label everything and then you'll be ready mm-hmm. to go. Gene McDonald, thank you for being here. I appreciate you having me. Dr. Drang, thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm ready to rehydrate. Excellent. I hope I don't get you mixed up with someone else. No, everybody keep the Commodore away from the vials. And I've been your host, Jason Snell. Thank you for listening to this episode. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. We'll see you next week. 